Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Regenerative Mystic Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Before we get into today's episode, I want to just take a moment to tell you about a new workshop that we have coming next week called Structure as Medicine. Now, if you've been following me for a little bit on the story doula, you might have heard me talking about this. Um, this idea of structure as medicine for all of you out there who are wild-hearted, all of you out there who are neurodivergent, highly sensitive. Um, many of you know the pain of trying to retrofit someone else's system and strategy and idea of how life and business should be run onto your business. I for sure know the pain of this and it did not work for me. But At the end of the day, we still need support. We still need systems just as much as we long for the freedom to chase our dreams. And I think that the secret behind this, to be honest, especially um, and most especially in my life, because I'm the only life I've ever lived, right, is that the systems that we really, really need to support us in the work are systems that we already have in place that oftentimes that we don't recognize them. We don't see them as like systems that are here to support us. I mean, like our lungs and the breath. I mean, the nervous system and the body. I mean, the four walls around us, our home environments, the people we have in our circles who are there to support us. A lot of the times, especially early on in entrepreneurship, we overcomplicate it by thinking that our systems need to be super high tech, high performance, um, just like systems that are supporting the business. But they are, they, but the, but that's not really true, right? Systems can be very simple. Structure can be very simple. Structure can be medicine and the point of structure is to help us to hold the capacity to grow our work, to find success. And by success, I mean whatever it is that you think success is, whether that is earning more money or serving a certain kind of you know, client or having a certain kind of customer or getting investing into your business, whatever success looks like for you. We have to find the capacity to bring that success in and hold it and nurture it in the body. So what if having structure isn't so much about trying to make somebody else's plan for our business work, somebody else's template work, but seeing the beauty of what we already have and what wants to happen inside of what we're creating. So Structure is Medicine is a discussion-based workshop that is for the wild-hearted, for the neurodivergent, for the highly sensitive creator who is ready to show up and share their dreams, but you recognize that you just need a little bit of support to reimagine what it can look like to have systems to be supported, to move into these greater capacities of holding, birthing, and materializing dreams. So you can sign up at the link at my show notes. We're doing this on March 8th. I cannot wait to see your face inside of this container where 
meeting up, we're doing this thing, we're going in, and we're going to figure out what it looks like to feel supported. All right, on to the episode. So what is regenerative mysticism? What is regenerative mysticism? You might have been asking the question. I absolutely asked the question when this term floated into my ether. When I decided to change the podcast name, I felt it in my spirit, this name, regenerative mysticism. And I have to credit a few folks who have really just sort of catalyze the podcast name number one i have to uh, credit carol sanford who is one of my teachers she doesn't know it (laughs) but i know it i have been reading her book cover to cover regenerative business and it has been schooling me it has been holding me it has been really really transforming me as a business owner and as a leader on every level This book is a must read for every creative entrepreneur out there who seeks to create systems and businesses that center our wholeness as a collective. So Carol Sanford is a huge like influence to this podcast name change and getting us closer to what it is that we're actually talking about here on the podcast and helping other people to find it, right? Which is so important. Like I want it to sound like something that you want to listen to, that you know is for you, right? Then I have to credit, I have to credit Teo Montoya. Now, Teo Montoya is a gem of a spirit. I have never met him in real life, but I do hope to. I heard of Teo um, maybe over a year ago when I was listening to Jazz the Moon Mother's podcast, Divinely Human, he showed up on the podcast and he talked about the future, futurism. And from that moment, I feel like I was catalyzed into this idea of just reimagining and holding sacred what the future even is. And this idea that we are designing the future has always been something that has been a part of my work to some degree. But in that moment, I felt the seed crack open in my heart and I could feel the seedling begin to grow and grow and grow and grow. So I listened, actually, I listened to that podcast three times in a row. Teo doesn't know this. I didn't tell him that because I just didn't want to come off as super weird. You know, like I listened to you three times in a row in his DMs, right? Like that's just a little like too, too fresh, but I did. And I was just blown away and like opened and catalyzed. And then recently I've gotten to connect with Teo and just got to exchange voice memo DMs with him and just to hear him talk about these things. My, like, I, like, I just feel eternal gratitude to this human for existing as he is um, and just bringing his medicine and bringing his light, bringing the way that he sees things to the world. It literally has changed me every single time I've interacted with him. Just like 
just adjusted me. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if you don't follow him, go and follow him. He is an amazing soul. Another uh, writer thinker who I learned about from Teo Montoya, um, Bill Plotkins. I read his, I've been reading his book, The Wild Mind. And just the way that he writes about the human psyche and the subconscious, it, it just speaks to my soul. And of course, like as I was sitting and marinating on all of these things on a Sunday, just integrating regenerative mysticism came through as like a top, like a topic, but more like a like a movement to ask deeper questions about what we're doing and how we are constructing our wholeness as a culture. So I feel really thankful to all three of these sources. There have been many, many more who have impacted my work, but these three have catalyzed the shift in name and also the subject matter uh, that we are holding space for in this podcast domain. So I want to tell you a little bit more about like how we got here as Brave School, because I don't think a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people really know my story, like I've shared bits and pieces, and I'm not going to go into every detail of my story, but just the parts that contribute to this moment most effectively, right? So I've always been a mystic. I grew up in a household where we were going to a church that was high control. And when I say high control, I was going to, we were in an independent fundamental Baptist church and it was not okay to ask questions about God in a way that went against anything that the pastor said. It was one of those things where it was like, you can ask questions about the Bible and about God and about spirit, but if those questions get a little bit too fresh, you are at danger of doubting the power of God. And you are at danger then of being in sin. And to be in perpetual sin knowingly means that you are in danger of being excommunicated from the church. So asking questions about marriage, asking questions about sex, asking questions about homosexuality, asking questions about wholeness and love. Like we're not a, we're not a thing. You were giving a, you were given a very specific answer and there was no nuance at all. So when I was 10, 11, 12, and we were going to this church, um, my mom had married my stepfather and he went. So of course we went. And that was like when I was nine, I said, I had lots of questions at the go, right? So there was one part of me that wanted to like blend in and like really like be accepted by this group, my friends who were the pastor's daughters. We were all the same age, 10, 11, 12. And we were young theologian scholars, okay? Like we were in the King James Version of the Bible, which if you know nothing about is like thee and thou and thy, and like doesn't make a lot of sense in regular human English vernacular, okay? But 
we were Bible scholars. We studied the Bible for homeschool most of the time. That was most of our studies. We memorized a lot of scripture very, very young. Um, we all had relationship with God, with spirit, um, even if through the lens of this high control, highly fundamental um, theology, we had this connection that we all felt deep down inside. And that connection was undeniable. Even at 11 and 12, it was so deeply undeniable. I felt I felt just as connected then as I do now, even though now my connection, I would say, is just more open. It's way more open and more fluid than it was back then. Back then, the archetypes I held with God were that of the angry father and like the controlling master and the one I didn't want to mess up my relationship with. The relationship that I had with the archetype of Jesus was one where I was constantly supplicating myself, um, just feeling so deeply unworthy of love as an 11 and 12 year old and having that doctrine put on the table in front of me week in and week out of how I am a dirty, rotten sinner and I do not deserve X, Y, and Z. And that the only reason why I'm alive is by the grace of Jesus. Like that was what I grew up believing. And so as I moved through high school, I began asking some radical, radical, radical questions. I was always ever a mystic. And for those of you who are into the astrology, into the human design, I do have the gate of depth. I have the gate of spirit. Um, my sun sign is in Gemini in the ninth house. My south node conjuncts Gemini in the ninth house. And my um, north node is in Sagittarius in the third house. So obviously, like, I'm asking a lot of questions. And it is very, very bold. Like, bold expression, streaks of expression began to flow through me in high school of, like, asking these questions radically. It was a radical exit for me to move from fundamental Christianity to a more liberal fundamental Christianity, um, where, for instance, I grew up listening to um, just like super high control, high fun like high fundamental Christianity, like pastors and like podcasts, because I was a podcast fiend in high school. I loved podcasts. Was such a nerd. Um, <laughs> to listening to John Piper on repeat, working at Tropical Smoothie. Like who does that? I was that, that 15, 16 year old girl who was listening to theology back to back to back, reading systematic theology, getting into the weeds with it, learning the Greek terminology. I was also a Bible teacher. I was getting certified in high school to teach the gospel to children. So knowing that I came from this background of mysticism and at every level of my spirituality, I was just asking more and more and more and more questions about who are we and what are we and who is God and like why, how do we get to have this relationship with a spirit we can't touch and see and feel? 
So ever a mystic, when I get into college, I'm having this relationship with mysticism that is just out of my world, right? Like I came into college as cessationist. I came out of college very much not a cessationist. And if you are unfamiliar with the term cessationist, just basically means that I did not believe that the that that human beings had gifts, spiritual gifts, that any spiritual gift of this like spirit. So like I'm talking about prophecy. I'm talking about high empathy. I'm talking about like all of those gifts that you see floating around on memes on the internet, but like the real version, like clear audience, clear sentience, being able to be with people on a high multidimensional level, right? Like in the spirit, I did not believe that coming into college. I did not believe in intuition coming into college. I did not believe in any of that. And that was a part of my theology. And I came out of college still Christian, but fully immersed in my gifts, right? Like I cracked open yet again, and I wanted to spend my whole life in spirit. I wanted to spend my whole life with this work. Um, I saw myself as a teacher, a minister of some kind in my dreams from very young, but I never imagined how I would get there um, because every religious sect that I was a part of was not really for women being teachers. And um, even like in my more liberated spaces of Christianity, I was so, so, so shy and so deeply unrecognized. You know, I was, I'm a projector, so deeply unrecognized in my gifts that it, there wasn't a chance that that was going to be happening for me. So yeah, like I saw myself as this mystic teacher in my dreams. And I remember you know, I was studying Latin in college. I decided to major in that. I decided to major in English. And then eventually I dropped Latin and picked up design as a major in college. And I remember walking across the street one day and I heard it clear in my sternum, I'm going to make you into a powerful intercessor someday, right? So this is all relevant to the context that we're currently in because that word intercessor means someone who stands in the gap, right? And back then, the context that I had for that word intercessor was prayer, was someone who is willing to go into the holy of holies, right? Like to go into prayer and to bring folks before the throne room of God, right? So that was what my context was. I have a very different context for what intercessor is now, but that's what I knew it was to be. And you know what? Like I was very confused at the time about what that meant for me. But six months down the line, I found myself with a job where my whole job was to be an intercessor and my whole like I was doing this for my actual job I was doing this on the side for this nonprofit that I was working with as a traveling prayer house like we took prayer houses from establishments and businesses all over the city and all over the county and we hosted prayer vigils and we sang prophetically like none of the songs almost none of the songs that we we sang were like written pre-written they were like um, they were channeled songs. I'd say the word channeled now, back then I would say they were prophetically sung. So I remember there was a moment where I felt like, you know, God was calling me to do something like really radical. I felt like God was calling me out of university. I had once one 
year left. I almost said one season left. One year left of school. And every time I went to class, I felt it in my sternum. This is not your space. You're not supposed to be here. Every Everywhere I went in school, every class I went to, I felt it. And I surrendered to that. And I saw this vision of a school where creative people, this was in 2013, I saw this vision. I was sitting on the floor of the prayer house and I saw this vision of a school where creative people learn how to own what they have. They learn how to use their gifts. I thought it was like a school of worship because I was in a school of worship at the time. I also went to a supernatural school on the side to learn how to use my spiritual gifts back then um, and to sharpen my awareness around them. But obviously it's brave school. (laughs) Didn't know it at the time, but I do now. And I didn't even realize it was brave school until after like following again, those nudges from spirit, those nudges from my guides. Hey, you need to work on brave school. It sounds irrational. It doesn't sound like practical for where you're at right now, but this is what you need to be working on. And I got that nudge, the second nudge, I would call it back in December of 2019 where I was like, oh, it gives me life to hold space for creatives. Like someone just reached out to me and asked me, hey, can you like give me some tips, help me to figure out what my next step should be? And I was like, absolutely. Did it for free, 30 minutes, like let's go. Um, And I just felt so on fire, just holding space for this young creative entrepreneur to own their medicine, own their voice, and begin to position their business in the marketplace. I still remember that moment and I remember them. And I realized, you know, a lot of people have the knowledge and they just need the courage. Brave School came through as this mystery school of creative process and creative courage, right? And so always a mystic, always um, asking questions of the divine throughout those years of being an intercessor um, and having that as part of my job description. I also uh, had a full-time job at a financial company um, where I was a graphic designer and communication specialist, sending hundreds of thousands of emails a day, designing them, um, and also creating social media policy and like building out social media protocols and things like that. So it was in the, the weeds of like, just kind of the very beginning of when Instagram was coming online and Facebook was starting to become this place where people were really beginning to market their business. So I was in some like part of that first wave um, of creative people starting to sell their work on the internet and also corporations using the internet as a tool for communication. So I also had that under my belt. So I had these like correlating worlds between the technological and the spiritual at play. And I could see the power in both. So fasting forward from day one, January 2020, the essence of Brave School as an idea and entity has always contained this vision of dreaming our world back in wholeness. Because that is what I, that is a lot of what I felt and saw come through my prophetic channel. I, what I saw most of the time when I was an intercessor, when I was, 
like I was real in the weeds with it all. Like my whole life was prophecy. <laughs> I can't really explain it to you. I won't even try. But that is the vision that I saw most of the time, mostly for the city that I was living in. I had a lot of prophetic dreams that would like come open and like unfold in front of me in real time. And a lot of the time back in the 2020, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, when Brave School just started to pop off, I wrote a lot about a politics of dreaming. What does it look like to have a politics of dreaming where it is a part of our collective code to dream a new world possible and not only dream, but see those dreams materialize. So I wove it into every modality that I had, brand strategy, my my songwriting, my poetry, this this politic of dreaming, of dreaming the world back into wholeness. And I didn't know at the time the term regenerative. I didn't know that this was a generative process, right? But I just knew that I could see it. I could see it in my spirit. I'd been seeing it for a really long time and I wanted it. And I knew that that had to start with me, right? Like not for the whole world, but in order for me to carry this vision, I had to start with my own wholeness. At the time, I did not feel like my life was very whole. I was financially in shambles. I was like a little bit of a vagabond. I didn't really have a home that like was, that had my name on the lease and had a locking door. I was staying. I was moving from place to place. I was on tour a lot. I stayed in this punk pad, this like commie punk pad, had that experience. Would would not recommend for myself again. It was not for me. I'm sure that every, like, I, I, I sh I'm sure that every compad is like, commune is compad. Commune is like different than the last, but for me, that one was very traumatic. And like, I felt like I could, I was experiencing this like high control experience over and over and over again. Another story for another day. So I moved out and I found myself in a couple of different spots before, right at the beginning of the pandemic. So like it, it was utter chaos, just chaos trying to find a place to live. And I ended up in a trailer. I wouldn't say it's a trailer. It's a camper in the backyard of some musician friends. And it was perfect. I had my tiny house experience. I had this beautiful backyard to take calls in. It was gorgeous. I, I loved it that time. I stayed there for six weeks before moving into a space of my own. But I could, I could, I would say that my life wasn't very whole, and I moved toward that wholeness with as much as my being could muster. Um, and what I learned in that time was that there wasn't really any difference between, like, my strategic system. Like, there's a difference. There's like a like a like a physical difference, right? But my strategy and my nervous system needed to play together, and that is what really came through really strong. It's what really kind of birthed like slow branding and these kind of insights on what does it look like to move with a little bit more like integrity and depth and slowness. 
not that the slowest slowness means that things have to happen slower, but just to honor what growth wants to happen, how growth wants to happen in an ecosystem. So all of that stuff started to come through. And then I realized my spiritual support system also played a role in that. So it wasn't just about like the body and it wasn't just about what I could do analytically and strategically in my work. It wasn't just about either of those things. It was also about spirit, the spirit of earth being interwoven into everything, seeing myself as a part of the greater ecology, seeing my creative process as an ecology. It's an ecological system that that allows resources to flow from point A to point B to point C. It is an ever-working, ever-cohesive system. And so I began asking questions about that right? Like all of these systems are wired to channel fire and magic, not only into me, but into the collective, right? And so for me, regenerative mysticism looked like, for me, regenerative mysticism looked like, and it didn't even have the term for it at the time, but it looked like holding an internal ecology that was asking questions that included the world around me and that also held a vision, a future inside of my body that was of wholeness. I had a picture, an imprint of wholeness that I was working toward, right? And so every part of my system, my system knows it. My my cells know this image of wholeness. Like our bodies know what it's like to be optimal and whole. And inside of my body, I knew what wholeness felt like, looked like for me. I knew internally in my body, in my system, in my spirit, what wholeness would feel like in the collective around me. And it wasn't something that I could pontificate. It wasn't something that I could put a policy around. It was a felt sense. It was an older dream that was inside of me that I knew, I knew that for me, if I was to be a part of that, if I was to be enrolled in that, I would need to respect my wholeness. And not only my wholeness, but I would need to respect the essence and the wholeness of others. Because let's see, that's really kind of the only way I see a whole ecology really working together is when all parts of the whole are respected and appreciated for who they are, what they are, and what they bring. And they are allowed to evolve. So this is regenerative mysticism, right? It's this idea that, you know, and I've been asking a lot of questions about this for a really long time, and this is really what Brave School is about. In essence, if you really wanted to know, this is what Brave School is about. It's about respecting the essence. It's about respecting the ecology. It's about respecting all of the the nodes, all of the points in the system, in this living system that we are creating as a world. And allowing all of those points, all of those pieces to bring what they have to bring in full force in the goodness of who they are. And to begin to ask questions about that and to begin to allow those things to evolve um, into what we need into the next 
evolution of who we are as a humanity. It's that allowance piece. It's that wholeness piece. It's the respecting of the essence piece. That is regenerative mysticism, right? That's what I see as regenerative mysticism. It's the work of returning back to wholeness through the stories we live and tell about who we are and why we are here. So this podcast is about that because I do believe, like Teo is saying, is like we are creating future, right? We are creating the future in front of us and our children, our descendants deserve wholeness. They too. So how are we going to respect their wholeness, their essence? How are we going to respect who they are and what they have to bring? That's the question I'm asking in this work. So that's the end of the podcast episode, y'all. I wanted to just drop in and give you a little bit of what this even is, what I'm exploring in the podcast now and what I'm inviting you into. So I would love to hear your thoughts, though. I would love to hear what you think about this. What does it look like to be a regenerative mystic to you? Um, what is regenerative mysticism to you? What does it speak to? When I shared the new branding on Instagram, some of you guys came through with some really beautiful insights. One of my favorites was a comment about how it reminds this woman of moss. And I've definitely like written about moss before because moss is a powerful example of regenerative mysticism, right? It's like, what even is moss, right? And like how it speaks to our innate wholeness, our softness, our beauty, um, how it spreads, how it protects, how it holds, right? And so I would love to hear what you think about regenerative mysticism. What do you think it is? Let me know, right? So until next episode, I cannot wait. Our next episode is going to be fire. We have Malika, who I met right here in Tulum, Mexico, just a fire individual. She is going to be sharing some of her wisdom on the podcast with us. You do not want to miss. Go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and add this podcast to your deck. Um, and go ahead and like rate and review us if you think that this is really serving you, right? If you're liking this new direction, would love to hear your thoughts and your feedback in the reviews. So Thank you so much, loves. Take care and enjoy your week.